This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode one of the Dressage Radio Show on the Horse Radio Network, bringing you exclusive coverage of the world of dressage. This is Chris Stafford in Lexington, Kentucky. And I'm Heather Blitz in Esper, Denmark. And you're listening to the Dressage Radio Show. And I'm going to introduce our um, the father of the Horse Radio Network. Shall we call you that, Glenn? Oh, Glenn geez, the that Geek makes me is... sound uh... really old. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's your baby, so we thought we had to have you on this first show, Glenn, to, um, to uh, introduce us and welcome us to this brand new show that you're adding to the Horse Radio Network family. Yeah, welcome guys. It's kind of neat. Now we have a dressage radio show and it's great to have Heather. I'll tell you what, you're providing a little bit of international flavor to it all the way there from Denmark. So welcome as a host on the Horse Radio Network, the newest one. Thanks so much. I'm glad to be a part of it. Well, it's exciting to have you a part of it and, and it is neat to the, the amazing part is the technology involved in all of this, that Chris can be here in Lexington, Kentucky. You're over there in Denmark, and you're going to be interviewing people from around the world and doing a show. Uh, that's really cool. Yeah, it, yeah, it, it is. It really is great, this technology. So, you know, hopefully, being horse people, we don't mess it up too much. Well, yeah, I'm not going to be around <laughs> to babysit you every time, Chris. So you're going to have to learn this yourself now. Uh, it is great to have you on the network. We're very excited. We have some good relationships that we're developing. It'll be on some uh, neat websites. Uh, we'll have a bunch of affiliates, and we have some advertisers interested, and it's just very exciting. I think it's going to be a lot of fun for you guys. And, of course, I'll be listening because I'll be doing the editing. So, uh, so Heather, don't worry about it. We can edit out any, any bad stuff. Well, that's good because I'm a newcomer on this uh, radio scene. Yeah, but you've been doing seminars and clinics for a long time, so I think those That's are much true. more. So maybe that, that practice counts too. Yeah, <laughs> this is just sitting around talking with old friends. So good luck, right. guys. I'm have good fun. at that. Thanks, Glenn. <laughs> Thanks so much, Glenn. Now, so uh, have a good time. Thanks so much, Glenn. Will do. Well, Glenn, you know he started the Horse Radio Network, Heather, and uh, he already has three other shows: the Stable Scoop Show, the 2010 Radio Show, which is all about the 2010 World Equestrian Games, and the Eventing Radio Show, which I co-host with him. And that's how we connected when we started that. And I thought it might be a good idea that we do the same thing for the world of dressage, because there's no doubt about it, we do have a very specialized audience in the dressage world. So. Let's get started here, Heather, and first of all, to introduce you to our audience. Um, of course, you're known as an international Grand Prix dressage rider, trainer, clinician, and for the moment, you're based in, uh, in Europe and have been for a while. So tell us more about your background and how you got into dressage. Well, um, I just started riding like a lot of young girls and um, just got so hooked on it, I couldn't quit <laughs> and um, just spent some time in whatever sort of competitions I could get around and in, uh, growing up in Kansas on um, my parents' farm in Hutchinson, Kansas, um, pretty much what was available to me was Western. So I did a lot of Western events and had a blast with that. And then went to, um, when I was 17, left for college at Colorado State University and got um, introduced to dressage. 
just because it was around and there were some instructors there and I uh, tried it and really loved it. But at that point was not planning on making it my career, but just my hobby and spent time with clinicians that would come in the area and local trainers there. Um, just really got to the point where I, I couldn't give it up. It was the thing I wanted to do. And um, then I was just asked sort of to do lessons because not really as a professional, but just, hey, can you help me out? And kind of started like that. And sort of found out that teaching was something I was fairly good at. And just have developed more and more as of course as, as I've gone. Um, and now I'm, I found myself as a professional, sort of before I knew it, before I really made the conscious decision to do that. So, um, you know, then over time, I've had opportunities with um, nice horses that I've been able to work with and train and learn so much from. Um, and um, just become kind of climbing the ranks little by little and horse by horse to the point where uh, I've gotten myself to Europe. Um, through qualifying uh, for the team that went to the World Equestrian Games in Aachen in 2006. Of course, I was uh, not on the team, but I was there as a, as a sort of semi-reserve rider. And at that point, stayed in Europe because I had the opportunity to. Another horse I was riding in Otto, who maybe you all have heard of, um, was with me at the time and thought it would be great to try to campaign him in Europe and get some experience and grow and learn uh, in the competition over here. And like I said, had the opportunity to move across the ocean, which was actually quite an intimidating move at first when you just been doing a little traveling to Europe, but never really thought that I would live out of the United States. Um, at first, it was a, a bit of an intimidating decision, but I made it, and I've been very happy that I've done it. I've learned a ton uh, living over here, competing over here. Um, it's been a lot of a lot of fun too. Of course, meeting all kinds of new people and seeing different cultures and seeing the United States from another point of view, and um, it's all been really good. And tell us about the horses that you have now, Heather, because um, you have have some of your own horses, and you're doing a lot of teaching, right? I'm doing a lot of teaching, both here um, on a daily basis and also still traveling back to the United States and doing some teaching in um, England. Um, the horses I have now are, I don't have anything in the, in the upper levels right now, but I do own two of my own. And one I've owned since really even before he was born. I was riding his mother and thought she would go uh, well together with Don Shufro and um, the, stallion, the Danish stallion Don Shufro. And... Um, we made that breeding and bought the foal as soon as he hit the ground, and that's the one I have now. His name is Paragon, and that was back in 2003 when he was born, and now I have him. He's six years old and doing quite well. He's grown into a, a very talented um, little guy or big guy with, a, I think, a pretty big future. So he's really exciting. He's really the thing that's um, got me pumped up these days. And then I have a, a four-year-old horse with me, too, that I owned that I bought a year ago. And we'll see what happens with that one. But at four years old, I don't put a whole lot of evaluating or a whole lot of pressure on to, you know, think that he has to be great or any, any expectations yet. So um, just kind of waiting for him to grow up a little. 
Well, good. Well, uh, you've mentioned Paragon, and later on in the show, we're going to talk about Paragon. He's going to be a star in his own right on the Dressage Radio Show as we're going to follow his progress um, as a young horse um, up through the ranks here. So we'll be talking uh, later on in the show a little bit more about him. But for now, um, for those of you who have listened to the Eventing Radio Show will know that uh, my background has been in the Olympic disciplines now for a number of years. I've been in equestrian media for over 30 years. I was a competitor myself and trainer in the three Olympic disciplines before I concentrated on equestrian media and now I'm based in Lexington, Kentucky as a consultant in equestrian sport and doing a lot of media work, both video and audio and I've been co-hosting the eventing radio show now uh, since we launched that back in February Glenn Hebert and I, Glenn the Geek is my Mm co-host on that show so um, this dressage radio show is the next in this series of discipline specific shows and uh, I'm looking forward to spending time with you, Heather. We've known each other for a little while now and um, understand each other, I think, a little bit. So hopefully this will be a lot of fun as we uh, as we unwrap the show with the new features that we're going to have, some new to the Horse Radio Network. And um, so we'll be finding our way as we go and building this audience, hopefully, to extend the audience beyond the world of dressage. But for now, on the show this week, um, we are going to hear from the United States Dressage Federation's Executive Director, Stefan Hench. Stefan uh, is going to come and tell us all about the uh, USDF, what its role is, uh, both in, in terms of competition and rules and membership and education, of course, because they spend a lot of their efforts on education. So we'll be coming to that shortly. Uh, but first of all, we want to remind our a new audience to the Horse Radio Network that our official social community partner is Equestrian Life. Equestrian Life can be found at equestrianlife.com and uh, you can be part of, become a part of this community by visiting equestrianlife.com where you'll find video coverage of this year's World Cup Dressage Final from Las Vegas and a host of other things which uh, makes it a very dynamic partnership to the Dressage Radio Show. So visit equestrianlife.com. And Heather, um, in the future shows, we're going to be having features like the news of the week uh, from the world of dressage. We'll mm-hmm. also be getting some competition news from Europe from our friends at uh, Dressage Direct. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, sh- I guess I should, before I go any further, I guess I should should say that if I, if you say dressage, dr- dressage and I say dressage, that would really confuse the audience, right? Right. <laughs> because because well, I'm, I'm getting used to it. Having lived in the States now for 10 years, I'm getting used to saying dressage. But I'm reminded that that's not how I should be saying it in English. It should be dressage. I, but I've lost touch of it. Can you tell? Well, you know, it's funny you say that because recently in my last few trips back to the States for doing clinics, I, I've noticed a trend of people saying dressage. <laughs> and when I lived there, it wasn't a trend yet. Everybody did call it dressage. And now I'm seeing it also in the States that it is, it is becoming dressage. So we'll stick with that, dressage. Shall we? Shall we be proper yes. and, uh, you know, innovative here? We better go with the setting the trend here. So we'll call it the dressage radio show. Okay. Gotcha. All right. Well, um, we want to introduce our first guest of the show, uh, Stefan Hench. Stefan, um, as I say, he's the executive director of the United States Dressage Federation. And he's going to tell us more about what the role of the USDF is in the world of dressage here in the U.S. So welcome to Stefan. 
Well, I have with me Stefan Hench, who's the Executive Director of the United States Dressage Federation and the Acting Development Director. Stefan, welcome to the brand new Dressage Radio Show. Hey, congratulations for getting that uh, service launched. Uh, I think that's a great, great thing for the dressage and the equestrian community to be able to listen in and hear what's going on. So I wish you a lot of luck with this venture. Well, thank you, Stefan. I know the USDF is going to be partnering with us and uh, you know, being a very useful resource to us, as I hope we will be to you. But um, I want to start, Stefan, with really introducing you to our audience and, and explain a little bit about the background of the USDF, and if you will, a little bit about the history as to how the USDF was formed and, and, what, and, and why it was formed. Well, USDF stands for the United States Dressage Federation, and the federation really came from when US, the U.S. dressage community was made up of really an East Coast and West Coast faction with not much in between, and there was not much of a cohesive effort in this country to further the sport and discipline of dressage. And a group of people got together and decided that that was needed and essentially formed a national organization that would advocate and further the sport of dressage in this country uh, with a primary mission being education and sort of the secondary missions being the promotion of the sport and the recognition of achievement and doing that on a coordinated national basis. And that's really what the United States Dressage Federation has been doing now for over 30 years. And and it's been very instrumental in getting the sport on a national level to where it is today. And, you know, when the organization started, it had about 2,000 members. There was, like I said, an East Coast and West Coast uh, entity that sort of operated independently. There was very little opportunity for people anywhere else in the country to find dressage education, to find dressage competitions, or anything to really get involved in on a national level. And USDF has worked with primarily a volunteer base to create those opportunities, whether it be for the adult amateur, for the junior young rider, for professionals, and so on throughout the country. Well, explain to us if you would, and I know some of our listeners will wonder, well, if they have to be a member of the USDF to compete or U.S. Equestrian Federation, what is your relationship with those with that other organization, Stefan, and, and how do you devise the rules and the structure for members competing or non-competing in the sport? Well, the big difference between the United States Equestrian Federation and USDF is that the primary mission of the United States Equestrian Federation is to be the national governing body for equestrian sport in this country. So that that has a couple of implications. One is USEF is multidisciplined. So it represents dumping, eventing, driving, endurance, etc. Um, what we call the FEI disciplines, which is essentially the seven disciplines that will compete at the World Equestrian Games. 
And the primary mission of an NGB is to further those international disciplines in the international arena, whether it be World Equestrian Games, World Cup, Olympic Games. They work closely with the U.S. Olympic uh, Committee and so on. And then, of course, USCF also represents other breed disciplines and so forth um, on, a, in a, in a, on a more national uh, capacity. But they're really the organization that sort of brings all of equestrian sport together under one hat but it has a very international component to it, whereas the United States Dressage Federation only focuses on dressage. So we're really the only national organization that represents dressage as a discipline exclusively. And we focus on what's going on at the national level rather than the international level. And then maybe beyond that, we do that within a educational context to a great extent. So we put forth educational opportunities throughout the country and develop educational materials and so on. We do have a competition aspect, but that is more in the form of programs to create championship opportunities and, and, and those types of things. And, and we do get involved on the rules side of things but we are not the primary rule-creating or enforcing entity. Um, we we provide input to USCF on dressage rules through the USDF Dressage Committee and so forth, um, but uh, we're not the primary sort of rules and regulations entity for the sport. That's USEF. Well, tell us about the education that you provide, and I know that, as you said, is a great emphasis for USDF, and you have a lot of programs, and then you have conventions and your symposium, which are all education-based. Uh, tell us a little bit more about that, if you would. Well, we, we have, I guess, many avenues. Um, one of our most successful programs is is a learner program for judges, which is uh, a, a prerequisite uh, for individuals who'd like to pursue uh, a judge credential through USEF, but they must first participate in the in the program that USDF offers. But that program has also been expanded to provide educational opportunities for people who are just interested from learning more about the sport through the judge's perspective. So that, that's a very successful program. And then we have an uh, instructor certification program, which uh, furthers standards and knowledge uh, amongst those who aspire to be uh, professional instructors and can work their way up through various levels through that program and, and become uh, USDF certified. And so that, that the effort really there is to create uh, quality instruction and make that available throughout the country and to further that aspect of the sport. Uh, we offer what we call the USDF Adult Clinic Program where uh, adults, not just amateurs, but also professionals, uh, can attend clinics with 
well-known clinicians throughout the country, and in particular in, in areas where maybe they wouldn't have that access otherwise. Um, and then we do the same type of thing for junior riders, although the focus there is, is more to prepare those young riders and juniors for the North American Junior and Rider Championships and so forth, but uh, creating clinic opportunities throughout the country. Uh, and then, of course, we produce a, a monthly magazine called the USDF Connection, and that magazine has just recently been brought online, and I think one of our most uh, exciting new education initiatives is going to be to expand uh, our educational opportunities online so that they become more accessible to a broader, broader spectrum of members in a very affordable way. Um, the, the magazine itself will be, uh, is already available online, but we are now working on adding to that uh, interactive features so that, for example, somebody can go online and read an article about something. And, for example, in the June issue, we'll have an article uh, about the World Cup and what transpired there in Las Vegas. But as you're reading through that article, uh, you'll be able to link to interviews with some of the writers and not only listen to what they have to say, but you know, see them in person. And it all of a sudden becomes a, a very interactive experience. Um, in the future, you'll be able to go online and, and for example, if you're reading an article about lameness, you might be able to link to a video where a vet is talking about lameness or maybe uh, link to archived articles about the same subject. So, so that's a new direction that we're going that I think is going to be very exciting. Um, so there's a long list of uh, existing programs and new programs that will be coming online. And then, of course, we also recognize achievement, and we have a very extensive annual uh, year-end award program where, where, where people can accumulate scores either through their breed affiliation or through the, the level that they're competing at, and, and there, there are many opportunities uh, there for recognition and, 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 and competing, I guess, at a local level through scores against the entire country and ranking yourself against the entire country. So that's something that we're very engaged in. And, and a big part of what USDF does is collect dressage statistics. We're, we're very database intensive. We, have, we record virtually every ride and score from every competition and all the pertinent information that goes with it. Um, so we can we have a lot of reports available online where people can can for example uh, check the history of any particular horse and the scores that it's earned over the years and and that type of thing. And your membership base would that be mostly uh, riding members, competing members, or do you have a number that are non-competing? And what would you offer them, uh, Stefan? Well, that's a very good question, I, and, and something that the organization is discussing internally right now, and that is, uh, I think the fact of the matter is that that most uh, 
what we call participating members, which is our, our highest level of membership, tend to have some type of competition-related interest. And uh, probably are participating members for that reason. Um, now, of course, members can also uh, join their local club, which we call a group member organization. We have about 130 uh, group member organizations that's what you That's what you refer to as your GMOs, is it? Yeah, GMO is a group member organization, and they're affiliated with USDF, and they have a direct membership with their local dressage or offer a local dressage membership to their local club. or And, and that club becomes a group member organization of USDF by becoming affiliated. And once that happens and they become affiliated, then their members uh, also become USDF members. And there's a relationship there, and then that member gets access to the magazine. They get access to certain competition opportunities and, and, and many of the other, I guess, benefits and opportunities that a, that a USDF member would get. So there are two ways to join USDF. One is through USDF directly as a participating member, and the other is through a local club in your area and uh, and at that point, you would be a member of that club, but also a member of, of the United States Dressage Federation. And you have something called the Intercollegiate Interscholast Interscholastic Member Organization, too, don't you? The IMOs. Would you would you like to tell us about that? Well, it's essentially similar to a group member organization, with with the difference that it, it's geared towards. Uh, uh, educational entities, and, and, and that can include, you know, a prep school, a college, university, um, whatever, but uh, it, it's geared towards, uh, towards uh, clubs that reside within an uh, educational institution and then the members of that entity. Uh, so that and, would be a younger membership, would it? Necessarily. Well, I, yes. I mean, by I guess by default it is, mm -hmm. uh, but but the, it's very similar similar to a group member organization um, in that 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 individual joins through that educational institution or the club within that educational institution, not directly with USDF. Okay. But it's a we do have a junior membership, which is a direct membership with USDF, and that's based on age uh, at a reduced rate. So what does it cost to become a member of the USDF? Well, if you join as a participating member, it's $62, and that gives you all the rights and privileges of a full membership. Or you can join through your local group member organization, and each group member organization or club uh, really does set its own pricing, and then of whatever pricing they set to join their club, uh, currently $17 of that comes to the United States Dressage Federation, and through that $17, that person also becomes a member of the United States Dressage Federation. So you're essentially paying one fee to the club, 
but you're becoming a member of really two entities, your local club, which is a group member organization of USDF, and USDF. And you and you have, of course, a board, an executive board, and you also have a youth executive board. So what, what role do they play in the governance of the sport, uh, Stefan? Well, the United States Dressage Federation is really uh, very volunteer-intensive in terms of both its governance structure uh, and much of the work that is done within the organization. There is a staff here in Lexington, Kentucky, that supports the 34,000 members that USDF has and the volunteer arm of the organization. But essentially, the paid staff reports to the volunteer arm of the organization. And there's what's called a board of governors, which is a very large entity that gives all of the membership around the country by geography and the group member organization's representation at the governance level. And ultimately, it's, it's the empowered entity of the USDF. And then there is an executive board, which is a smaller entity that deals with the ongoing year-round administrative issues of the organization. And uh, it has a president, and, and they're all elected individuals, and they're essentially elected by the membership uh, and the larger board of governors. So anyone and staff that staff reports to that. Okay. So so anyone. We that, also had. I'm just going to say that so, so, so anyone at local level. I'm just thinking. You know, there may be listeners here that are passionate about dressage or want to get involved. They could actually get involved at local level for, for the USDF. You bet, and uh, that's probably the best way to start because there's a, there's a great deal offered usually by those. Uh, those local clubs that make things very accessible to an individual. And it's a great way to get started. It's an economical way to get started, and it's also a, uh, you know, a good way to network locally, f- find out who's interested in what you're interested in and what the local opportunities are. And then, then once you get involved, then, then – uh, and you'll start to get the magazine and you'll start to get some of the information from the United States Dressage Federation and you start to become more familiar with what the opportunities are and then you can uh, branch out or grow from there. And we must mention, of course, that you have a, an annual uh, convention and a symposium. Do you want to tell us about what you have in store for us this year? Uh, I'll get to that in a second, Chris, but I, I want to follow up on the last question. Um, if anybody's interested in finding a, a a local dressage club to to possibly join or network through, um, they can go to the United States Dressage Federation website, usdf.org, and uh, uh, we do have a listing of our active group member organizations uh, on on that website and. Uh, you can you can try to find something that's close to your geographic area, and and we will of course be posting a link on the Dressage Radio Show website too. And uh, uh, if any anyone wants any information about the USDF, we do encourage you to click on that link or go directly to usdf.org. Uh, so we were talking about the convention, is that right, Chris? That's right. Yes. What you have in store for the for the convention this year? I believe it's going to be in Austin, Texas. 
it's going to be in Austin, Texas, and and probably uh, the most interesting thing for for most people that maybe aren't engaged in USDF governance or or currently you know entrenched in 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 USDF uh, would be and whether they're a member or not, um, they would be welcome to attend a dressage symposium that will be. Uh, put on by USDF in conjunction with our convention. It'll run uh, over the... Uh, actually, I don't have the dates in front of me. I'll get back to you on that. But uh, I think that's the, the first, uh, first week in December, isn't it, uh, Stefan? Yeah, yeah. It is, it's the first week in December, and it's uh, uh, going to be a symposium hosted by Jan Brink, who, of course, just uh, competed... His famous Briar at the World at the at the World Cup in Las Vegas and and uh, and had a retirement uh, ceremony there. And uh, Jan Brink has also been one of the top international competitors and recognized trainers in the world for many years uh, from Sweden. And and he's going to be coming to present the symposium in Austin. And it'll start with a featured lecture on Friday evening and then go through Saturday and Sunday. And that's open to USDF membership is not required to attend that, although uh, it's uh, available at a discounted rate if you're a USDF member. And uh, that information will be available on the USDF website and also in our magazine uh, sometime in late summer, it'll it'll become available uh, in more detail with 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 the opportunity to sign up online and so forth on usdf.org. Okay, I see you you already have a page there for the convention, and we will again put a link to that on our show notes at usdf.org/education/convention. And again, those dates are December second through the sixth in Austin, Texas. So uh, we get more information to you as that becomes available from the USDF. And those, uh, we should also mention, Stefan, that you, you produce videos from that. You also have a, a, a book shop, a, a gift shop at your offices here in the Kentucky Horse Park in Lexington. So anyone coming to the horse park for competitions or, or visiting from out of town, there, there is a one-stop shop there uh, at, at the USDF offices. Well, and then maybe even more valuable to the listeners, since this is an internet broadcast, is, is that uh, we do have an online store, and there are many educational materials available. Uh, and so, for the person that's just getting into dressage, or the person that wants to further their dressage education, that's certainly a great resource for uh, finding many of many dressage education materials, whether it be video or book or printed materials. Um, so that's certainly something to check out, and, and you don't need to be a USDF member to take advantage of that. Although, again, if you are a USDF member, there's a discount available. Um, but certainly I'd encourage anybody interested in the discipline of dressage. And, and really when I say interested in the discipline of dressage, I don't mean competing. I mean improving your horsemanship and uh, your skills and your, your, your ability to work with your horse. And I, I think any discipline can benefit from that. Um, you know, the word dressage really means training, and, and uh, 
that's really what we're talking about here is, is, is really bettering yourself and bettering your horse. And, and uh, I think anybody engaged in equestrian sport uh, can benefit from some of those materials that are available there. So you don't have to be a dressage competitor to benefit from dressage or, or, or the educational opportunities. Well, that's wonderful. I know you also have uh, trainers' clinics and, and that sort of thing, apart from the convention and the symposium that you hold in conjunction with that. Stefan, do you have anything else in store during the summer that we'd like to draw, you'd like to draw attention to? Well, I would certainly be looking for um, the adult clinic opportunities throughout you know, the country that will be coming about. And uh, we, you know, for anybody that, that, that uh, is interested in dressage, you can certainly, and to find out what's going on, again, I would go to the website and look at the calendar and see if there's anything going on in your area and just go check it out. Uh, we have regional championships in the fall that go uh, in all nine regions that we have around the country. And that might be an interesting thing for somebody to go to just to kind of see what all goes on there and, and what it's all about. Um, but I certainly would would say, too, look look and see what your what the local group member organization might be offering. Uh, and and uh, which is often in conjunction with educational opportunities that the national organization supports but is actually then put on and hosted by that local organization uh, or that local club. And uh, that's certainly a place to start. You know, contact them and see what's going on, if there's anything there that, that uh, you might want to attend. And there are so many opportunities where you can audit something. Uh, an auditor means basically you, 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 you're welcome to come and observe uh, sometimes you can interact and ask questions, but there may be a clinic or something going on or some other educational presentation where you can come in and, and observe and just learn through observing, and those are usually very economical opportunities. Well, that's wonderful, Stefan. I think that's a you know a very interesting overview of the organization. I know we're going to be hearing a lot more of you over time, and we'll certainly be promoting the convention and symposium in, in Texas later this year. And, and we'll have you back on the show, I'm sure, uh, Stefan, to talk about the different uh, projects that you're focusing on and any news that you may have. Um, you will be a great resource to the show, and I hope uh, that we will be able to provide a service for USDF members and, and future members. Well, since it's summer vacation time and uh, some of our listeners might be uh, driving through Kentucky on their summer vacation, and, and I would certainly encourage them to stop and visit the Kentucky Horse Park. And we are located on the park grounds. Uh, there's a, a tremendous amount to see at the Kentucky Horse Park. And while you're here, uh, make sure you stop by and visit the United States Dressage Federation. We do have the Romer Foundation Hall of Fame, and like you said, we have our bookstore, and uh, we have a lot of great equine artwork, and uh, and also, of course, the Kentucky Horse Park is the site of the 2010 World Equestrian Games, and and uh, there's a lot of exciting stuff going on here right now. So, I would encourage anybody to come by and visit and and say hi. Yeah, well, thank you, Stefan. I know there certainly is a lot going on, and uh, we will also make sure that we 
Post that link on our website, usdf.org, for further information about the United States Dressage Federation. Stefan, I want to thank you so much again for joining us on one of our earliest shows of the new Dressage radio show. Thank you, Chris, and I wish you great great success with it, and I hope uh, the listening audience will uh, become loyal and prolific. (laughs) (laughs) We hope so, too. Well, thank you so much for spending the time, Stefan. Well, it was great to hear from Stefan. It was great to have him on. Very interesting to know more about the USDF. Well, it certainly is, Heather, you know, because I think a lot of these organizations, they, you know, they, they are always in the background in the sport. And, and one of the things that we're going to do with the dressage radio show, I've got to keep remembering to call it dressage, right? Dressage. Good job. Show, Good job. <laughs> is, um, you know, is talk to the different organizations. Um, soon we're going to be listening, uh, having um, Lyndon Gray on from the dressage dressage foundation and that's of course plays a very important role she's going to be coming on the show shortly to tell us exactly what the dressage foundation does so uh all that's coming up and we'll talk to some of the european organizations too heather and uh, i know that's something is of particular interest to you too yes it is and um, you know had i had a radio show like this when i was getting more into it at certain points in my career it would have been very helpful <laughs> well the, one of the things we're going to do every week here is is get a training tip uh, from you, Heather, because you do a lot of clinics and symposiums around the world, and and I know that you 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 actually have a blog on your website, and uh, we will put a link on our site, of course, to to your site. Um, that's heatherblitz.info, heatherblitz.info, uh, where people can go and sign up for your newsletters and uh, and get. Uh, news of, of your activities and your blogs and uh, learn more about Paragon, of course. Um, right. So so we want to uh, encourage our listeners to go there. Um, our website, of course, is dressageradio.com. It's a brand new website, which we're slowly building out now, dressageradio.com. We'll remind you at the end of the show to go there too. But first of all, we want to hear from uh, from you, Heather, on your training tip of the week. Right. Well, I think um, this training tip could be about rain contact because I find that a lot of students and riders are a bit confused or they have questions on, you know, what sort of rain contact should the horse be light? Should they be more strong in the hand? And um, I think one of the best pieces of advice I can give on that is don't think that it will be either way and consistently there for all the time. I mean, I think it, it's something that can change fairly often depending on the training phase you're in. Um, and, and one of the disclaimers on rain contact, I think, should be that it should be up to the rider and not up to the horse, whether it's light or heavy. Um, you know, there are horses that have, they're, they're too light in the hand and they don't make enough contact and it's sort of up to them because they're either not in front of my leg or, you know, they're, they're just a little, um, you know, getting me to not take a contact on their terms. So then in that case, you know, light in the rain isn't such a good thing. If taking the rain means that the horse is going to be evasive or find a way that they won't accept it. And the same with you, if you have a heavier contact or more weight in the hand, of course, if you had a lot of weight in the rain, but then it was for the wrong reasons. Let's say the horse is really on the forehand out of balance or they are running quite fast and they won't slow down and, and stay at a tempo without the hand holding the back all the time. So, um, you know, there are different reasons for, of course, 
if the reins are heavy or light. But I think in, in general, you can say if it's up to the rider, that if the rider wants to have rein contact or more, that the horse allows it. Um, if the rider wants to be able to give the rein just away and be really light, that the horse also um, doesn't take advantage or lose balance or run off also when you give the rein. And that either one, light or heavy in the in the hand or somewhere in between, um, it's a big factor whether or not it's it's a supple feeling or not. If you can change the horse from left right bending or reaching more out or shortening more up, you know, if they're supple in whichever kind of contact you have. So, um, and that's sort of a functionality you're looking for in contact rather than exactly how much weight you should have in the ring. And a lot of people probably think more about if it should be heavy or light. They think about the pounds in your hand. And I think that's a bit limited and kind of confusing because, you know, training's so dynamic, it changes all the time. And horses need different things on a normal basis that it changes quite often. So that's the best way that I can explain sort of what to look for in ring contact. Well, that that's a great tip, Heather. We really appreciate that. And uh, I know you'll be bringing us tips every week as we uh, move forward with the Dressage Radio Show um, because I know that our audience will find these very, very helpful. Um, there's, there's something we can learn all the time when it comes to horses. Yeah, well, I'm happy to do it. And I also would encourage our listeners to email in, if they if they can, some questions they might have about training. And I'll do my best to put together, you know, an answer that comes from my experience and see if I can help. So if you email in questions or comments about things that you'd like me to address in my training tip, um, I'd be happy to do that. Well, that's great. That segues very nicely into our next segment, um, Heather, which um, is called It's Your Call, where we invite listeners to go to the website at dressageradio.com, click on the contacts page, where you, and there you will find a number to call in, a voicemail number to call in and leave a message. Please leave your name, um, but that is your, also your opportunity right there to, to voice any opinions you have on the sport, anything that you think we should be covering. Um, on the Dressage Radio Show, um, go ahead and leave a message there. Keep it short if you would, and uh, but le- do leave your name and uh, contact information. Um, that will be played on the air. So uh, if you don't want your contact information played on the air, just go ahead and leave your name. Um, and you can email us or leave a comment on that page too, on the dressageradioshow.com website. There is a place for you to leave your comments. So... Um, two things you can do there to be active and part- to participate in the show. First of all, you can send your training questions to Heather, um, and you can email Heather at heather at horseradionetwork.com. My contact information, too, is um, chris at horseradionetwork.com. I had to think about that for a moment. Chris at horseradionetwork.com or heather at horseradionetwork.com. Or go to the website and leave a message on It's Your Call uh, with any views and uh, uh, suggestions and questions you may have. Um, we even have some background uh, sounds there from the dogs <laughs> joining in and wanting to be part of this new dressage radio show. Uh, so this is going to be fun, Heather. I think uh, there's so much, uh, so much that we can cover on this show in terms of uh, um, topics that are of interest and competitions and training and... And I think you're going to keep us up to date with some uh, news and developments, what's happening in Europe, aren't you? I'll do my best to uh, find out what the scoop is over here as much as I can. 
And and I think that that's great. And uh, again, we do want to hear from you. Um, and we also want to remind you of the other shows on the Horse Radio Network. That's the Stable Scoop Show, which is hosted by Glenn the Geek and Helena B. That's a weekly radio show, as all of them are. And the 2010 Radio Show, which is hosted by Glenda Geek and Samantha Clark. Samantha has just joined the Horse Radio Network family, and she co-hosts that show along with Glenn. And the Eventing Radio Show, which Glenn and I do. Um, all of those are weekly shows. They're free downloads, as the Dressage Radio Show is. They're all free downloads on iTunes or Zoom. Our next show here will be in two weeks' time. And we have to record this ahead of time so that we get it into the iTunes system. Um, so a free podcast on iTunes and Zoom, and you can also go to dressageradio.com and listen to them streaming on your computer. So in two weeks' time, Heather, we'll be back with the next show, um, and on that show, we are going to have Debbie McDonald. I talked to Debbie a few weeks ago in Vegas uh, when she was retiring her mare, Brentina, and she herself is retiring from international competition. So... We, um, we had a nice chat about that because it was a very emotional weekend for um, Debbie, as I'm sure you can imagine, Heather. Oh, I, could, uh, I wouldn't have wanted to be in her shoes there. That would have been very, really difficult, difficultly emotional. So we're looking forward to, to, uh, to hearing from, from Debbie um, on the next show, which uh, will be in two weeks' time. And after that, again, to remind you, it will be a weekly show here on the Dressage Radio Show. So... Um, Go to dressageradio.com and see the news of the show. And again, please send us your voice, voicemail feedback at 270-803-0025. That's the number. It's on the website on dressageradio.com's contacts page. Or email us, chris at horseradionetwork.com or heather at horseradionetwork.com. Yep, and no questions are too are too dumb to ask. So ask any <laughs> questions you've got. The more the more we have, the better. I think that we can really have a lot of fun with this, and um, the more listeners participate, the better. Well, I think that's great. Um, and and tell us what you're going to be doing before the next show, Heather. Uh, apart from uh, your riding um, Paragon, um, and and uh, you know we talked about Paragon a little bit earlier um, in the show, and I know that you're going to be uh, giving us a diary each week on Paragon. I am. I'll try to keep up a, a bit of news about him and his progress. He's quite an exciting horse, and he's made a lot of headway in, in his career already at six years old, and um, he, things happen very fast with him, and I think it's just so interesting how he's processing it all. So I'll try to um, pass those things on to our audience. And we should also point out on your website you do have videos of Paragon at uh, heatherblitz.info. I do. On he has his own page on my website, and there's a little video icon, and and there are quite a few uh, videos of him up there, and it's fun to see the progress. Well, that's terrific. Well, we look forward to following him, and also the, we'll put a photograph on our website at dressageradio.com. So, Heather, uh, that's going to be it for this time round, and until we meet again next time. Yes. So everybody, good luck and mind your riding.